giving you problems. There we go. Yeah, well, I am, for some reason, just one of those people where I always turn my computer off. Um, I just can't help myself. You know, we have sleep modes, we have low power modes, whatever. Like, they yeah. have designed these things to be idiot-proof this day and age. So I should be able to just let my computer be on, like most people do, so that I don't have to switch all the... Also, yeah. like, it's not, because it's just that much more complicated at the same time. Yeah. You see it with, uh, I've seen it at work, and I see it with old people, older people. <laughs> yeah. But then I also see it in myself when, like, new stuff comes out, and I'm like, I don't understand this, and I'm like, I'm getting Oh, old. isn't that the worst? Yeah, the first time that you, like you check out a new piece of technology and you're like, well, I mean, I am of the generation that is the information age. I should be able to pick this yeah. up and just play with it. I mean, the, honestly, that's me with iPhones. Um, and I think a lot of that is just because I've, you know, been an Android user for so long. But the idea that I can't just pick up this device and just kind of inherently know how to work it does yeah. disturb me because I'm like, it's it's already happening. I mean, when we were little kids, my brother had to show our parents how to program the VCR. And that is pretty basic technology. So, like, I don't feel too bad because the learning curve has definitely, you know, definitely increased. But, um, yeah, it is still a disturbing time when you, you the first time you realize, oh, shit, I don't know how any of this works. I barely know how this computer works, and I've been building my own computers since I was 12. Oh, wow. That's a long well, time. Well, and when I say building, that comes with heavy air quotes, because I started um, building computers in the age when everything was already, like, plug-and-play. So I never did any, like, motherboard soldering or anything like that, but, yeah. I mean, still. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. Mm-hmm. The way and, it all works. Yeah. Pretty cool. And yeah. like you said, when you don't understand how it The first time you realize you don't understand how something works, it's kind of terrifying a little bit. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm getting old. Yeah. And that way with like slang. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. People. The youths. Just... I have been the old man on his front lawn since I was in third grade, <laughs> but I have never felt older, like like as the the elder generation, more than when the term fire started being used. Oh, and that and that is <laughs> just the younger millennials. Oh, that's fire. Oh yeah. Oh, that's so fire. Well, and especially when like. I'd be listening to podcasts that I had been listening to for a while and they start using fire. And I'm like, look, I know for a fact you guys are 10 years older than me. Like, I feel awkward saying fire. I don't even text it. It just feels weird. And I, I feel like it made me feel old, especially because, like, I imagine the first generation to hear a younger generation use the term cool felt really weird about it because the, that word has never been used to describe something as, like, you know, how neat it is or whatever. I mean, when we were little, Grandpa still, Grandpa never got used to the term cool, ever. He hated it. He would always, <laughs> it was the best because he would That's always funny. stop us and be like, I don't know, it looks pretty warm to me. And we're like, oh, Grandpa. Yeah. Um, he would but, say that. Yeah, yeah. And like, 
I just remember thinking like certain, like I said, like certain podcast hosts. And I'm like, you guys do not sound natural saying that. Like, I understand that that's the new cool phrase, but you, you gotta, you gotta cut that out. It's, it's not for you. Yeah. It's a, uh, I send Gabriel videos for this all the time. Cause he's always like, Oh, well, like we were born in different generations. Like I'm a Gen Z and you're a millennial. And I'm like, <sighs> I mean, I'm a millennial. Yes. But he's like, on the cuffs you ask like different people and they'll tell you like he is a millennial or he's a gen z right right in that middle point when was he born 97 when were you born 95 oh well that's what i i mean technically it's one of those things where it really depends on who you ask because i've seen a number of articles that talk about how generations don't really exist like we, yeah, we sort they kind of, of don't. Yeah, they're an amorphous thing of like. I mean, if you're in the, it, it's one thing to say like you were from the '70s or the '80s or the '90s, but when you say like Gen Z, Gen Y, Gen X, it's like it's really kind of loosey goosey. Well, even like technically, I'm considered a millennial, and I was born yeah. ten years before you. You're and an it's like, elder millennial, right? And so the idea, I'm like, if we have this fairly distinct separation of like generations you and i presumably wouldn't be in the same generation even though we are like familial wise in the same like tier so to speak like as cousins yeah so i'm like yeah the the easiest way i've seen to look at it is like look that we're all just people none of it matters you can have one millennial who grew up with an nes and another millennial who grew up with a switch and i'm like that's four different generations of nintendo separated so it doesn't matter I mean, we say that and like, I definitely had like the old school original like Nintendo at our house. Oh, really? That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, well, we had like it's... Super Mario Bros and Duck Hunter. And I think that was, we oh, maybe wow. had Tetris. And that was it. Oh, you gotta have Tetris. That's so good. You guys yeah. had like with Duck Hunt, you had like the, the, the gun and everything. The, the little orange one, yeah. Yes. <laughs> nice. Fantastic. We did. So, like, things like that I definitely understand, and, like, the N64 and, like, all of Mm. that. But, let's see. I think when the Wii first came out, I was, like, in middle school. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah, that makes me feel a little old. We... Uh, and even nerdier than I would have thought, because when the Wii came out, I was already in my third year of college, and we got it the opening day. We all had me, Zach, and at least two of our friends all had reservations for Wii consoles. And we stood in line outside of a GameStop for at least an hour. Oh, wow. And we got them. We got them all, got them all home. And we set them all up on the same floor of the house right next to each other. And we were playing them and it was nerdy as hell. And it was awesome. That sounds amazing. It's pretty good. Yeah. You okay over there? Do your fingers feel funny? Is that that what that was? I just realized I didn't maybe clean this glass as well as I should have. Oh, well. We don't have to to talk about that. It's alcohol. It's fine. It cleans as you drink. It's great. Yeah, there you go. So, um, well, I guess we could just kick things off there. Yeah. Hello, everybody. I, yeah, I suppose yeah. like I'm mentioning the drinks. As, we're, as we're talking about beverages. <laughs> yeah. This is Peculiar Pairings. Hello. Welcome. Thank you for listening. My name is Matt.
I'm Celine. Hello. And this is uh, this is our little thing. Uh, yeah. What I'm what I'm drinking. Um, I'm more happy with the name than uh, the the actual drink itself. I don't know what like. I don't want people to think that a lot of this shit I just sort of phone in the way my brain works, like certain things just make sense. And when you said what we were doing today was based on a previous thing that we've talked about. Yes. Um, and that's uh, based on like a candy store experience and stuff. I'm like, I want to do something similar, but I know that the person we're talking about is slightly different. And I realized he was more of a crony. He was like the lure of the like the main bad guy and i'm like so i wanted to do something that seemed like this is gonna sound dumb or crazy but something that like a crazy dude would use to lure children into a trap and it made me think of that creepy neighbor guy from family guy who always talks about having popsicles in his basement so i thought yeah, yeah so i thought the popsicles make sense for a person who's a, a predator of some sort and i don't know how your weather is going down there, but up here it feels like we're we're very quickly leaving summer. We've had lows in the 40s already, like overnight, and it has been quite chilly. So I thought this is kind of a, a last hurrah to uh, to summer. So I thought the drink could be um, a nice uh, sports drink to help keep us energized as we go into the dark days. And um, I ended up using a vodka that is blue, a uh, uh, blue. Cur- Curacao? Curacao. Is that yeah. how you pronounce it? Yeah. Curacao. Yeah. And, um, and a blue sports drink. And uh, I just call it the Summertime Blues. I like that name. Well, thank you. Yeah, thank our you. weather is... It's still, like, in the 70s, 80s. Um, oh, I wow. guess more okay. 80s in Denver, because I'm not currently in Denver at the moment. Went yeah, to the and mountains cities for tend the weekend. to have that... Oh, nice. So yeah, the cities do tend to have that kind of population heat density or whatever. Yeah, it's it's like always 10 degrees, if not a little bit, 10 to 15 degrees cooler in the mountains, like in the summer. That makes sense. Yeah. Higher so, elevation, usually higher wind speeds. Yes, it is colder up here. Like it's been dropping down into the 40s at night and 70s during the day. But in Denver, it's. You know, like 50s, 60s into the like today's high was 91. So I'm glad I missed that. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Holy crap. It's too hot. Yeah, that's. Yeah, no, thank you. That is unpleasant, which it feels weird to me too, because we just closed the, uh, the Minnesota State Fair earlier this week. Yeah. And we had some not only record setting attendances, but record setting temperatures. So, I mean, just a week ago, it was 95, something like that. It was pushing 100 degrees, and today it was... Well, t- I guess today it was, like, 73, but yesterday the high was, was like, 67. Yeah. Was like, what the fuck? Shit's getting real. Yeah. it's. I am so excited for fall and the winter. I just want to do all the fall things. <laughs> Me too. I'm, I'm sick of feeling hot and sweaty every yeah. second of the day. <laughs> I'm ready to go out and deliver some mail and uh, feel comfortable for a little while. And then yeah. it gets insanely cold, but it'll be nice for a little bit. Yeah, the in-between. Yeah, yeah, that, that like one week of just solid, like low 70s temperatures. Uh, really Ooh. nice. Did you have any particular flavor for your popsicle today? Oh, 
Well, I wanted to keep the blue theme going. So I was mostly just looking for a pack. I'm like, I swear to God, growing up, we had blue popsicles. Like, what the hell? Yeah. All we could find were packs that... um just had... like cherry, orange, and grape. Exactly. Yep. They were, um, I found one that also had lime. And I'm like, I guess a purple and a green are as close as I'm going to get. So I've got, uh, I, I ended up popping a couple of them. Oh, I put the Nice. Yeah. And so they taste fine. I just, I was like, God damn it. I want, really wanted to have a picture to put on Instagram. That's like all blue. And, um, I, I almost went with like, um, the, uh, the bomb pops, the red, mm, white, and blue. Yeah. But I'm like, we not only is it not all blue, but we did that in a previous episode. And I'm like, I just, I don't want those. So. Yeah, I grabbed, we bought Otter Pops, like, Ooh. a week, two weeks ago, maybe it was. So I just grabbed a blue one of those. I I acknowledged that, like, I knew what it was, but I don't remember. Is that, like, they're, the push-pop like thing? It's, like, too, when, like, when you walk into the store, they're in, like, a big box. It's just, like, hundreds upon hundreds of them. Ooh, like, the plastic, like, an icy? Yeah. Or I guess that's what we always called them. Yeah, the little tubes of just like the clear. sugar. Okay. Yeah. They come in clear <laughs> packages, and I do see a lot of tips where it's like how to add alcohol to them for your like mm. summertime mm-hmm. picnic. Yeah, kind of an like, at-home like frozen daiquiri thing. That's yeah, a good idea. I like well, that. Cut like right at the very top off. Add a little, and then they use like a hair straightener to melt it. Which I don't think you should be doing. No, I'm not. I'm not going to go quite that hardcore for it. No, that's it's a little too excessive for my taste. Yeah, I'm I'm not. I don't like sticky hands. And that feels like a long, a long day for like when you can just take the icy and essentially like like if you're going tubing down a river, just like lazily, you just have like a little glass with you and just put the icy in there and then pour some like yeah. rum on top of it or something. I'm like, that's fine. It's all good. I don't need to reseal like a hundred frozen thingies. Yeah. Not worth but, it. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, I gave a little bit of a tease on this. Uh, and, and we're talking about a, a crony, a henchman to a, a bigger bad, so to speak. Celine, without any further ado, who are we talking about today? We are revisiting our episode 13 topic of The Candyman. And we're talking about Ooh. Elmer Wayne Henley, his accomplice. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. And who my... is... No, go ahead. I was going to say my sources real quick are murderpedia.org and all that's interesting.com. Nice. Short and sweet. Oh. I, yeah, my, I was just going to add like the little that I remember hearing about him, the idea that he has certainly done some atrocious things, but there's also a potential that he himself is sort of a victim because mm-hmm. uh, Dean, Dean Coral? Yes, Dean. Was, yeah, was like deviously evil and also his last name sounds like how uh for any walking dead fans how rick grimes says his son's name on the walking dead he says it like coral 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 Coral. yeah he's he's almost always crying when he yells coral but um not exactly a timely reference the it's been off the air for a little while that's okay (laughs) that's okay I, I've been I've been uh, watching through the seasons that I never saw. So 
Oh, uh, nice. Wa- I got Walking Dead on the brain. Nice. For the record, before we go any further, I've heard from a lot of people that everything after like season eight is just trash. I have been enjoying it immensely. The oh, last season, season 11, gets a little weird, but I, I, yeah, personally, I, if, if, you, if you decided to stop watching The Walking Dead around season eight, I say pick it back up. Yeah, I've been having a great time. Good to know. Indeed. So, totally unrelated, but anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I am yawning. Okay, switching gears. We're going to talk yeah. about our good old friend, Elmer, who I believe he went by Wayne most of the time instead of Elmer. Mm. You was... know, those are those are two names that I'm not sure which one I would prefer. Like, if my name was Elmer Wayne, I'm not sure which one would be better. Both of them are kind of old fogey sort of names. Yeah. yeah. So he was born May 9th, 1956 in Houston, mm. Texas. And he was born to Elmer Wayne Henley Sr. and his mom, Mary Henley. So I can see why he went by Wayne. That makes sense. Yeah. No, that kind of answers the question right away. Yeah. He was the oldest of four sons. And growing up, didn't really have the happiest life since his dad was an alcoholic who regularly Mm. beat his wife and children. All right. Definitely, definitely ticking some boxes for being a a bad adult. Yeah. And his mom was a very strict Christian woman. But as protective as she was and, you know, wanted them to be good Christians. She also works very hard for them to have a good education and for them to mostly stay out of trouble. Mostly. (laughs) And his parents did eventually get divorced when he was 15 and his mom got custody of him and his brothers. Probably the better parent of the two. One would argue. Yeah. I'd say of the parents you could have had, the one that doesn't hit you is probably a good one. Right, yeah. Even if she's like strict, a lot like really kind yeah. of orthodox, like Christian values, she she at least seems to want good things for them. Yes. Which is yes. not a not a super high bar. No, the bar is very low. Mm-hmm. And before his parents were divorced, he was like very good in school, just kind of a good kid, and then. After they got divorced, he then had to start getting part-time jobs to help with his with help his mom out with the expenses and mm. all of that. So then he ended up dropping out of school. Oh, just kind of, that's sad. Yeah. And mom, after after we were just talking about like his mom was the one who wanted them to have a good education and stuff. Yeah. She's like, well, we're broke, so uh, you better broke. get your ass out there and earn some earn some dollars. Yeah. Before he dropped out of high school, that is when he met David Brooks, who we remember oh. from last time was like the third accomplice who we talked about him quite a bit last time. So that's why we're not going to talk about yeah. him this time. Mm-hmm. So they met in school, they became friends. And then after like he after some time of like getting to know each other like at school, he's like, let's hang out. They started drinking beers, smoking pot, smoking, shooting pool together. 
That's doing what all the kids in the 70s would do. Yeah, just... Yeah. You know. I, I did forget that they already knew each other. For some reason, yeah. I kept thinking of, uh, of Dean as, like, the ringleader who sort of... Or almost like a Pied Piper who who brought these people under his thrall and, like, made them do his bidding. But I forgot that these guys were already, like, connected prior to that. They were. And it was, like, in their relationship that Brooks had met Dean elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And then Wayne and David are, like, hey, like, hanging out. And David's like, hey, I know this guy who's, like, gonna sell you pot, basically. (laughs) This guy, let me tell you, is super cool. He will sell you all the pot you want. Yeah, he's not an evil bastard or nothing. Seriously. Yeah, he's awesome. Let's go meet him. Yeah, so um, that's how they met was through Brooks. And Mm -hmm. at the time, Henley didn't really know what the relationship was between them. But he kind of suspected that uh, it was of a sexual nature. Right. And he's even, like, though, even though these are high school guys. Yeah. So, well, yeah. the thing is, is that Dean was so much older than they were. Because right. uh, David and Brooks are about 14, 15 at the time. And then Dean was like early 20s. Yeah. So he like... <laughs> Even as an evil antagonist of of this story, like he's already off to a disturbing start. Like before you even get into any kind of like luring people into a trap and like murder and anything, it's like he's already like preying on on fourteen year old boys. Like the Jesus. Yeah, yeah, and the way Henley worded it when he was later like telling the whole story to police was that he thought Brooks was hustling himself a queer. Just I'm not laughing at the situation, just the kind of outdated terminology. (laughs) The the term he was using, I'm like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Hustling himself. But you know, those are his words, not mine. Right. But um he didn't really know if that was what was actually going on in their relationship, but he's right. like, he's like, I just want weed. He's like, these guys are getting me weed. I want some weed. Cool. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. And it was found out later that at the time, uh, Coral had actually been molesting Brooks since he was 14. So, Oh my. Right. I mean, Henley was not incorrect, but that was not necessarily, I guess the relationship he was thinking they had. Mm, I think he okay. maybe thought it was more of a consensual nature. Right, right, it was right. Not. And some of the things he did find in Coral was that he saw him a lot more as like a father figure. Oh, okay. So spending a lot of time with him, he's like, okay, like he's like this older guy, like, I have to impress him. I have to have his approval. Yeah. He was more of, like, a role model father figure, which yeah. would then lead him down this very dark path. Right, and so it's like, it certainly doesn't excuse the things that he does later, but you can kind of understand his mindset where he had an abusive father, 
who then ended up not even being in the picture. So he's yeah. like, this is his only real male like role model that he's had for a while. And he's like, yeah, so you can kind of see how he went down that path. Yeah. And when he first met Dean, uh, he told him, so Coral told Henley that he was now connected to like an organized thieving ring <laughs> oh wow i was like okay so like now that like you're coming into like my fold yeah he's letting him into the inner circle he's like this is this is what our ring is we do like thievery petty crimes type of stuff mm-hmm. and initially it was that brooks brought him in as like a potential victim Mm-hmm. for Dean but I guess Dean liked him enough that he kept him around <laughs> didn't do like his usual tactics so he's like okay like you're coming into like my inner circle here's what we're doing and as they were like doing different jobs and stuff Dean was kind of pushing the boundaries with Wayne and being like hey if I needed this, would you do this for me? If I needed this, would you do it for me? And then it got to the point where he's like, hey, if this situation called for it, like, do you think you could kill someone? Red and flag. Like, Red flag. What the <laughs> Immediately. Oh my God. I know that we, I know that it's been a, like a slow progression, but the idea of like, like, even if someone just starts going like, hey, would you do this for me? Like, um, like, would you, would you pot a plant for me? I I mean I guess so. Yes. Would you watch my cats for me? Should, like, do you need me to? Like, is like, are we? Is this hypothetical or just yeah. you know do if that you, ever came do up? You sure. Need to watch the cats. <laughs> yeah. Do you, you, like, are we talking are you dates? Just, like, like, are you going? Yes. Yeah. What's, no, I'm just wondering. You don't. You don't need me to. No, oh, I, well, I don't uh, even uh, have cats. Uh, and you're like, okay. Cats? Did I say? Yeah, I don't even have cats. Would you water my fish? Wait, is this? That feels like a lateral move. Do you do you have fish? Do you need me to clean a fish? What is going on here? Would you kill someone for me? Oh, I'm out. Goodbye. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, it it is it escalated and <laughs> unsurprisingly, he did say yes. He's like, yeah. Mm. I think probably thinking like if they got into some sort of situation, there's some sort of shootout. Like right. if he needed mm. to shoot somebody and get away, he probably could. That's I was just going to say that, like, yeah, his his assumption is that he's talking to it and, and he's kind of being sort of indoctrinated and groomed and stuff. Mm. So he's he's thinking that this person is reasonable. And like when he asks, would you kill someone? He's thinking, like, if I absolutely needed to, like if we were in trouble, could yeah. I kill for this person? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, this is a person I care about. I would I would kill for him if we were in danger. <laughs> And he doesn't uh, realize what he's agreeing to. Yeah. So then in that same year, he started to notice that there were some disappearances in the neighborhood with boys between the ages of 13 and 17. And two of them happened to be Wayne's friends, David Hillegest and Mally Winkle. And they disappeared on their way to the local swimming pool on May 29th, 1971. Wow. I was already kind of disturbed when you said that he started noticing disappearances. But then when it's actually his friends, like, huh, 
the few yeah. friends that I have are straight. I also have to go back. One of them was named Mally Winkle. Yes. I'm assuming first name Mally, last name Winkle. Yes. All right. I'm just going <laughs> to. That's okay. Mally Winkle. I have um, weird names in that day and age. I'm they really do. I can't help wondering if like Mally was short for Mallory or well, was I whatever Mally Winkle. Interesting. Okay. Sorry. No idea. My brain um, just had to stop on that for a second. But our good friend Elmer was very involved in the search efforts to try to find them because he's oh. like, my friends are missing. Like, yeah, he's gen- for them. Yeah, he's genuinely trying to do the right thing. He's like, I'm on the case. Let's find him. Got to yeah. find him. Find me a, a new Mally Winkle. So then in the winter of 1971, so this is when he actually, like, first meets Dean, so we're rewinding just a little bit, so he's at this point hanging out with David in the summer some of his friends go missing, and then that winter, he starts hanging out with David and Dean Oh, I got you, okay, so he the the disappearances occurred before he had been Before he was even connected to Dean Got you, got you but he did notice that, like, there was something weird going on in the neighborhood, but didn't put the pieces together. Right. <laughs> Just, well, this yeah. uh, seems kind of strange. All my friends are gone. Yeah. Well, and then okay. he gets new friends. Yeah. Hooray. Yeah. So it was one of those things that, like, as he started spending more time with them, David was like, hey, well, you know, like, you can make some money doing like mm. favors for <laughs> Dean, essentially. Mm-hmm. That you know, always a good promise. Well, if and that is the kind of pay you, right? That is kind of the age where it's like money starts kind of being important. Like you want to be able to buy yourself some clothes, buy yeah. whatever you know, go see a movie, whatever with your friends. Um. Yeah, that's a powerful tactic to get someone under your your thrall, so to speak. Yeah. So then as he was in this, like, ring of crime, it was later told to him by Coral that he was now part of an organized crime ring based in Dallas that sold, that found and sold boys into sex slavery. Wow. Oh yeah. my. Okay. So it, it, it escalated like very quickly. Yeah. I was thinking like drugs, but they just went straight to human trafficking. Well, it started, I think it started with doing some stuff oh, with drugs. Well, right, right. By the time I mean, Elmer yeah. or Wayne. Yeah. By the time yeah. Wayne was a part of it. Right, right. Yeah. And then they told him that he would offer him the same rate that he was giving Brooks, which was 200 mm. per boy. Maybe a little wow. more if they were good looking. I'm oh using air god. quotes for anyone who cannot see that at home. Yeah, just because oh I, my god. I don't think any grown adult should be looking at young children at all yeah, and being like I, that child's good looking. It's gross. It's pervy. Blech. Oh god. Just the whole situation. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So 
the equivalent of what he was paying him per person is like $1,500 today. Wow. So he's giving him a lot of money. And Mm -hmm. when he was first given this offer, he was like, oh, absolutely not. And all right, good way. Yeah. Talk to Brooks or Coral for like several months. Good. All right. But then he needed money. I was going to say with that, that was the pivoting point where like, if you've ever seen a movie that you've seen a lot of, uh, like a a number of times, you know how it's going to end. But there's always that one point where you're like, I just want them to do the right thing in this moment. And they never do because you've seen it before. But it's like, that's that moment where you're like, do the right thing, Elmer, you can. And then you're like, no, we already know how this story ends. Yeah. So initially he was not going to take the offer, but then he needed the money. Right, yeah. And that is when he first conspired with Dean about luring someone into his house. Mm -hmm. And their plan was that they were going to trick this person into putting handcuffs on themselves. So... Oh, okay, yeah. Getting them to do it, like, thinking it was, like, their own doing... But then yeah, once they and, have them on, like, they can't do anything about it. And not to change the subject, but I think this was a, a Wayne Gacy trick. Yes, um, it was. Yeah, he did the same. He was like, hey, it's a magic trick. And then he gets yep. out of the cuffs and he but gives them the cuffs. Right, mm-hmm. right. Oh, that is devious. Yep. Yep. So they, once they had their plan all thought out they then drove around hudson heights which i think that's like a neighborhood in the houston area okay and just were like looking for the right person to come along and just waited oh my god and it's it's the definition of like if you're listening to a true crime podcast or some kind of you know biography thing on a serial killer um as someone who grew up in the countryside of minnesota it always disturbed me when shows use the the term hunting it like because i associate that with such a like pastime of like growing up and stuff the idea of but but, like it's the best description because that's literally what they're doing but you like the idea that they're literally just sort of cruising around looking for victims it's it's gross yeah it's awesome because it really is it's hunting but it's it's just on such a disturbing level Yeah. So they lured this person in with um, pot. They're like, hey, like I got some weed. I already forgot that they were like, like that was the whole point is he's like, yeah, I I sell weed, man. Yeah. It's the 70s. Come on. Who cares? It's the 70s. There's lots of weed. Mm -hmm. So once they got to Coral's apartment, they used their handcuff trick, which was successful. And then once they got the handcuffs on him, D- Dean then tied up his feet and put duct tape over his mouth. And then Henley was like, well, you're going to do whatever it is you need to do. And then left and got paid the next day. So. Wow. He basically was like, OK, great. Like, I did my part. Bye. And then like dipped out. Yeah. Like just a straight up transaction. I know I'm focusing on the wrong part here, but I was just so proud of myself for remembering that part about Gacy. Do you happen to know if it was the same trick, like where they would do like this magic trick thing, or did they do some other kind of 
manipulation to get them to put the cuffs on. I want to say it was something similar. I don't know if it is the exact same one, though. Yeah, because I was just wondering, like, do you do you off the top of your head, do you happen to remember if Gacy was in like the the 60s? So I was just curious, like if they were like doing a copycat thing. Um, I believe it's a pretty unique kind of deal. I believe Gacy was in the 70s. Okay, yeah, maybe it was just a coincidental thing. Maybe they both watched a magician and were like, hey, this is a great idea. Let's see. Like I said, I know oh, I'm focusing so, on the wrong part, but so I. So Gacy was, was almost. Okay, so Gacy was like 14 years before. Oh, okay. So, oh, so, yeah. Okay, so, so almost in 14, the 50s. He's 14 years older than Henley because he was born in 42. But Gacy I was. don't think he start. Yes, Gacy. Okay. I don't think he started any of his murders until like the late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, so it was like right around the same time. Now, just to confirm, you mean he wasn't caught, or that's when he was supposedly? That's when he started murdering people. Was oh, okay, so 70s, so he wouldn't same have... time. Okay, yeah. Wow. So it's just a coincidence they were using the same trick. That's yeah. weird. I think it was like a popular magic trick at the time. Was, yeah, so I kind of made a joke about that. But yeah, they really could have, you know, maybe seen or even like it was a pop party trick sort of going around or yeah. something. God, that's kind of, you know, I don't know why, but that makes it even creepier to me. Like two yeah. different serial killers independently came up with this trick. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. So then... Basically, he's like, okay, cool. Like, I got my money. And they're not 100% sure who the first victim is because they have not been able to positively identify him. But they believe it was Willard Carmen Branch. So Again, focusing on the wrong detail, but still weird names in this time period. I know. Really weird names. Yeah, so if... If I don't know if you remember this detail, but he was one of the ones that was found in Coral's boat shed. Oh, That's that like where he sound... was burying everyone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We were even talking about like at a certain point because he used he like basically used up the entire shed like it was full. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Not a great move. Taking him elsewhere. Well, and this makes me think, too, like. As a kid in the 70s who wants money, you can kind of understand, again, not that it makes what he did okay, but you can kind of understand yeah. how, like you said, like with uh, uh, inflation and stuff, $1,500 per person, when you get used to that kind of income flow and you get desensitized enough, yeah, it's like, yeah, he's going to keep going back. He wants more money. Yeah. Oh, God, that's so nuts. No, money, the root of all evil. Mm-hmm. Certainly can be. Yes, in this case, yes. He's probably getting free weed too. He's like, yeah, take whatever you want. He's like, I just use that as a lure. I don't even, I don't even really sell that. It's fine. Yeah, take whatever you need, bro. Yeah. So then, on March twenty fourth, nineteen seventy two, this is kind of when things took a turn for Wayne. Yeah. So. He persuaded one of his friends, Frank Aguirre, 
who is 18 at the time mm-hmm. to go over to Coral's and was like, hey, like, I, we can score some pot. Like, let's go. Right. And then did, you know, the little handy dandy handcuff trick. And then mm-hmm. Dean dragged Frank to the bedroom and tied him to his torture board. Oh, my God. Where... <laughs> torture board. I know. He then sexually assaulted, tortured, and then killed him. Mm-hmm. And then he buried him at High Island Beach. And Henley was there for this whole ordeal and claimed that he had asked Coral not to kill and assault him and that Coral refused. And it was then told to him by... He said it was by both Brooks and Coral, but I think it was mostly just Coral, that he had killed his friends Hillegist and Winkle and that, like, they all had the same fate. Like, he's like, why kill these people? Like, why why should I spare your other friend? Yeah. Like, oh my god, that's horrifying. Mm-hmm. Also, so again, again, I feel like I'm focusing on the wrong detail, but... The name? Well, and we... No. <laughs> <laughs> just can't get over Winkle. It's so weird. Um, no, uh, so Coral is is presumably paying two different individuals two hundred dollars or more per person. Is is he really engaging in human traffic? Where is he getting all this money? How is he? How does he well, afford he to pay? Very these... successful candy business. <laughs> 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 Okay, for anyone who's maybe new here, I'm an idiot. <laughs> and it was, it's a few episodes ago, so I forget. I mean, it's like <laughs> 30 episodes ago, so I don't blame you. No, he he was like a very whole... successful businessman. So like he had, he had money. Well, and I mean, not to put too fine a point on it, but the whole, he was called the candy man. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of a, kind of a hard to forget sort of moniker. There's a whole series of movies that are, well, not even really based on him necessarily, but like, it, like it's a name that should stick with you. Yeah. And I forgot that, like, okay, so yeah, he is just kind of independently wealthy. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. answers that question. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, <sighs> after hearing about like his friends being murdered and being like, wow, like I searched mm. for, oh, right. Like these friends, like, yeah. he's just like, well, I guess that's that. It just kept doing what he was doing. I think oh. just because he was like, well, but I need the money. Right, right. Yeah. And yeah. By this point, he's already so desensitized. He's like, what's another couple body? Like, he hasn't even thought about his friends in so long. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's horrifying. So then it was less than a month after that that he then brought another friend and convinced him that they to go to, like, a party Dean was hosting, and he had the exact same fate. Wow. And then three days before that, Billy Bulch and Johnny Ray DeLeon had the same exact fate. That is so many bodies. I now, mean... We're not even covering, like, half of what we covered last time. Right, right. Yeah, that's one thing I kept forgetting, is just that, like... I mean, he literally created... He He's... He's effectively creating a pyramid scheme of serial killing. Yeah. That's crazy and on a whole different level. Basically, when he then moved, when 
Coral moved to Westcott oh, okay. Towers, so he moved to a different place in Texas. He, this is like when uh, Henley then kind of started becoming a more active participant. Oh, and really? Okay. It was within the first month of Dean being there, like they brought in Stephen Sickman, who was then murdered. And then a month after that, he Henley then assisted in the abduction of Wally Simonell and Richard Hembry. Wow. And this is when Brooks was telling police that Henley came in just waving around a 22 because that's safe. Right, right, yeah, great move. Okay. And then accidentally shot Hembry in the jaw. I'm like, what? Oh my God, what? <laughs> I think my question is how do you accidentally hit someone like in the jaw right. waving around a 22? Oh my God, that was. Well, I guess the... if you're like waving it like up here by your face, because I was yeah. thinking more just like general, I feel like you hit the torso more. Yeah, no, no, no. I think you're well, and part of it is part of it is like you're taught there again, growing up in like hunting country, we took gun safety and stuff like you don't keep your finger on the trigger. You've got to. Oh, my God. So he really wasn't trying to hurt anyone. He just accidentally shot someone in the jaw, although someone that was presumably there to be murdered. Yes. Wow. So, and I think the thing that's funny is that Henley didn't say like, oh yeah, like that was an accident. It was Brooks who said that was an accident. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> at what uh, point, I don't know if like before that Henley had started participating or if he was like, it was an accident and it wasn't, but then was it, like, oh no, what? like, well, I did it once. Like, guess yeah, it's fine. No, that- Without having any more details, like to me, it really sounds like they were trying to initiate Wayne into his first official involvement in murder. And he, I think so. yeah, he, he kind of botched it. Like he still pulled the trigger, but he just didn't quite have the, the solid stance or whatever to actually kill someone. He was probably shaking and nervous and whatnot. And then later they're like, oh, it was just an accident. Yeah, we didn't, we weren't trying to hurt nobody. Well, and if he was walking around just casually waving around a 22, Mm. he's definitely killed before then because he is comfortable holding it in his hands. Right, right, right. Yeah. So either way, it's he started then or he started before. But after that, he kept on going. And assisted with um, the abduction and later death of Richard Kepner and at least nine other teenage boys. Jeez, I I do feel kind of bad now, and I knew I would regret it. Like there have been times earlier on where I was kind of on his side, like trying to show the the sympathetic part points of like his his like his growing up and stuff like that. And I'm like, he just got in with a bad crowd. And it's like the number of times that he has seen walked away. Exactly. Oh my God. There's just so many red flags and Mm -hmm. yeah. And well, and then even just now, like he's already got a gun, he's shot someone. And then you were like nine more times. And I'm like nine. He's already had so many moments 
where there shouldn't have been any more, at least that like he was involved with. And now he's in this deep and it's like another nine. Oh my God. Yeah. Come on, Wayne. You're better than, well, apparently not. He's not. He's not. No, he's not. And then on February 1st, 1973, he helped Coral abduct and kill Joseph Lyles, who was one of the few instances that didn't have... Oh, sorry. I I read that incorrectly. Um, <laughs> Coral abducted and killed Joseph Lyles, which was one of the few once oh. Henley got involved that he didn't help with. Oh, yeah, that was just on his own. Interesting. Yeah, because yeah, he's got this whole system set up. It does seem so odd that he would deviate from he's not getting his hands dirty as much. Yeah, right, right, right. Interesting. And that was because Henley had temporarily moved to Mount Pleasant. But then he moved back, like, a few months later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Gotta get back into business. And then in spring of 1973, he did try to clean up his act a little bit and enlist in the army. But he was rejected hmm. because he had dropped out of high school. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And in a Wasn't 20... This... Sorry, I'm gonna look something up real quick. Um... Well, I was just wondering, like, when the Vietnam War date was. Uh, war date. Um, April 70th? 19... The, wow. 1955 to 1975. Oh, so that would have been the end. Yeah, maybe things were just winding down, because I'm like, I'm... I had, a, I had a memory of them, like, pretty extensively expanding the criteria for accepting troops. But uh, yeah, maybe one of their maybe one of the things was like you have to have graduated high school. But still, I was like, yeah. really? He didn't during the during the Vietnam War. But mm -hmm. all right, yeah, I mean, if it was at the tail end, yeah, I suppose think maybe things were winding down. Yeah, and then in a 2010 interview, he said that even if he wanted to, he couldn't leave anyways. If I did, Dean would go after one of my little brothers who he always liked a little too much. Oh god. Like, it's that's the thing that makes this so insidious and like just poisoning to listen to is like the first part of that sentence is bad enough where like Dean would go after one of my little brothers. And it's like because that's just horrifying and evil. And mm -hmm. there's that little tag on the end of that. He liked too much. And you're like, why? You don't even need that. Just the idea that he would be threatening your little brothers is bad enough. But the idea that he likes them too much is just. Such an extra level of grossness. Well, oh and it kind of makes you wonder if, as when he was first offered, if that's why he kind of stuck with it, because he's like, well, yeah. if I'm here, I can make sure, like, he's not taking one of my brothers. If, like, I know people their age is disappearing. That's true. I Yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely, there's, at the very least, there's an argument to be made. Like, he... As much, he, yeah, it, yeah, no, I, yeah, I think you're totally right. There's a possibility that he thought if it wasn't him, it would be someone else. If we, at least if it's him, he can hopefully protect people that he cares about. Yeah. To a degree. Which it's sad and sick in its own way. Absolutely. Ugh. Then between June and July of that year, with Brooks and Coral, he had helped aid in the abduction and murders of eight more people. 
They're in an so account of 18 right now. We were just sort of defending him, and then you bring another statistic. It's like eight more people. It's like, oh my god. And then uh, on August 3rd, Brooks and Coral murdered James Dramala without the assistance of Henley. So Okay. I think at this point things with Henley were kind of getting a little bit on the outs. Cause then this is when the party happens. Yeah, I was gonna say I did remember there being a, a turning point where at least one of his cronies was like, I can't do this, guys. What the fuck? Yeah. And it definitely makes more sense that it was Henley compared to Brooks because Brooks was mm-hmm. very much like very closely involved with Dean. Yeah, Brooks was like on board. Like he he, he's like, Yeah, let's yeah, let's do this. And, and yeah, Henley, Henley not that much. Right, right. It was definitely more of a means of survival for Henley versus Brooks. Mm-hmm. And this is the night of like the last party they had with Dean when Wayne brought in his friend Timothy Curley to Dean's for a party. And Coral was all set up to do like the handcuff, like tie him to his torture board and all of that. But then Henley and Curly left to go get sandwiches. Of all, the, of all the things they left to do, they went to go get sandwiches. Uh, again, not laughing at like the situation, just just kind of an unexpected detail. Hey guys, yeah. let's go get some sandwiches. Like, real, not burgers, not fries. You just let's go get sandwiches. Uh, okay, yeah, no, that's fine. That's huge party thing. Yeah. Yes, and then, I suppose today would be like Taco Bell, but yeah, like it's the seventies. Oh, yeah. Let's go get let's go get sandwiches. All right. So then, this is when Henley really kind of fucked it up a bit because he mm-hmm. came back with Rhonda Williams and Dean oh. was pissed. I forgot about that. Yeah, because it's almost exclusively males, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it yeah. And he's like, well, I don't want girls here because girls ruin everything. He also wow. doesn't like women so i was, I was gonna say like he has he clearly seems to have certain sexual proclivities i'm not yes. shocked to learn that he, he just in general is, just overall doesn't seem to like women for no reason yeah wow is that a quote like girls ruin everything yes oh good okay yeah i know and he was able to remain calm, but basically, like, gave them all so much weed that they all passed out. <laughs> and because Coral is such a horrible, horrible man, he mm-hmm. then handcuffed and gagged all of them. So then Henley woke up to Dean handcuffing him, and he's like, oh, mm-hmm. wait a minute, no. <laughs> wait, bro. No, 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 no. Yeah. So then he... Coral dragged Henley by like his handcuffs into his kitchen and started pointing his 22 pistol at his stomach and like threatening to shoot him. So he started begging for his life and was like, I, I promise I will help you. Just like, just, just untie me. I will help you. Don't yeah. kill me, please. So then Coral was like, okay, like I'll, I'll untie you. And then they proceeded to tie 
Timothy and Rhonda to different sides of the torture board. And then Coral handed Henley a knife and was like, all right, well, if you're going to do this, like, you're going to, you're going to do it my way, like, cut all her clothes off and told him that he was to rape and murder her the way he was going to, to Hurley. Wow. And as he was like, okay, like, I'm, I'm going to do what you're saying. I'm, I'm doing what you're told. Coral then put the gun on, like, a nearby a table, like, that was right there. Oh, okay. I, I, I thought you were going to say another victim. He, he lays the gun no, down. He, he sets it the down. Gun down. Gotcha. He sets okay. it down on the table. And Wayne and, notices this. He's like, okay, he's not holding the gun anymore. Yeah. And Williams is shocked, and she's like, is this really real? Like, are you seriously going to do this right now? Yeah. And he's like, yep. And she's <laughs> like, are you fucking kidding me? No, like, I'm sure they're freaking out. And then For that sure. is when he grabbed the gun and pointed at, at Demon, said, you have gone far enough. Wow. And so then Dean, you know, was like, oh, okay, like, funny. <laughs> started laughing and was, like, walking towards him, being like, kill me, Wayne, you're not going to do it. Shoot you me. can imagine, you can imagine him having, having had this stranglehold over these young men for so many years like he's so confident in the power he holds like he, he can't possibly imagine yeah. a scenario where he doesn't come out on top yeah and it is in that instance that wayne then shoots him in the forehead and it does not oh kill him immediately he continues to move towards him so mm. he shoots him two more times in the shoulder and then that takes him down and then Wayne shoots him three more times just to make sure mm -hmm. he's dead. That's fair. That yeah. seems that's like a real walking dead kind of scenario of like, yeah, like even just the number of uh, stories you hear of just accidents of people having severe head trauma, like mm -hmm. a knife to the forehead or something. And they like for a, a and then few they're the moments, ones that like call for help. And you're like, how? Yeah, you're like, how are you alive? And the doctors are examining their x-rays and MRIs and stuff. And they're, and they're like, like, if it was one millimeter to the left, exactly. you're like, <laughs> If it wow. was just a single angel hair in this direction, or even the times when they're <laughs> the looking at it and they're like, the wrong way, just a tiny yeah. bit. Boy, you spent, you spent a half hour walking back through the field to call for an ambulance. Man, if you'd have tripped, if yeah, if, if the wind blew strong enough, it would have killed you, and you are somehow still alive. Not to mention a little-known fact that um, I don't know if this is just movie stuff or what, but twenty-twos supposedly have the perfect amount of power that they are able to penetrate a human skull and mm -hmm. then not exit. So they're yeah. supposedly supposed to do as much damage to the human brain as like a bullet can. So the idea that he even had. A twenty-two pistol shot him in the head, and he kept coming. I can't even imagine how horrifying that would be, yeah. where you're like, this is going to end this right now, and then he keeps going, and you're like, what the fuck? Why won't he go down? Yep. Oh, my God. And then once he knew he was dead, he then released Curly and Williams and called the Pasadena police. Okay. Well, so, did the right thing in the end. He did. And once the police arrived, he told them everything. Okay. He just unloaded everything and was like, 
for the last like three years, my friend and I have been abducting teenage boys for this dude. Wow. I knew I was like actively participating in the abductions for this like trafficking ring. I was participating in the murders at this point. And then he also like 100% threw Brooks under the bus and was like, oh, he's been <laughs> participating way longer than I have. <laughs> he told him like how much they were getting paid and like where they buried them. And wow. between August 8th and 13th, the police found 27 victims. Thanks to Henley. And autopsies did reveal that most of them had either been strangled or shot with a 22 or in some cases, a combination of both. Real guy really liked that 22. Really did. And then Jesus. both Brooks and Henley aided in helping police find the bodies of all the victims. So it wasn't just him in the end, like doing the right thing. They both did. Then Henley was brought to trial in San Antonio in June of 1974. And he was charged with the murders of Frank Aguirre, Johnny DeLone, Billy Ray Lawrence, Homer Garcia, Charles Cobble, and Marty Ray Jones. So total of six. Wow. Considering yeah. how like the total body count came out, six is actually shockingly low. low yeah and he was found guilty and sentenced to six consecutive life sentences on july 16th wow. 1974 and unsurprisingly his loyals his the his lawyers filed for an appeal oh, right saying that like he they had been denied an evidentiary evidentiary hearing so like a hearing on like all the evidence available that the jury had not been sequestered prior and oh, okay. that the trial should be moved away from San Antonio because like he wasn't he's being not gonna given get a fair a trial. Fair trial. Yep, yep. And all of those were denied. Okay. <laughs> but on December twentieth, nineteen seventy eight, so four years later, his sentence was overturned and he was given a new trial. So the appeal did finally wow. work. Okay, that I've and, never heard before. That's incredible. And then June of 1979, so like that following June, he was given the same exact sentencing and oh, no. conviction. <laughs> okay. So. <laughs> and you always hear that in cases and you're like, no, like the sentencing is less. And then you're like, justice was not served. But in this case, they're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. And he, well, okay, maybe things weren't done properly. Let's do another trial. Oh, no, yeah, fuck you. He did become eligible for parole a year later on July in 1980. One year later? Mm-hmm. That seems pretty crazy. Yeah. But uh, I'm sure it was, like, for good behavior or some other bullshit kind of thing. Yeah, but got, wasn't the original sentence five life? Six, yeah, wasn't the original six life six sentences? Six. How does he get out in a year? And, and they were consecutive life sentences too, so that's not 
That is one All thing I was going to bring time, up. It's one after another. Yeah, that is one thing I was going to bring up. The idea that some people can get, like, the you would assume that one life sentence is enough, but then you get consecutive life sentences. And the idea is we want to make sure you would by, never get out. Ev- yeah. Why would any of them be consecutive? That's so weird to be like, or uh, concurrent, concurrent. concurrent. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why those, that one always, I don't know why people get concurrent life sentences or sentences. Like, it's weird to me. Yeah. But basically, ever since he has been on, or had the ability to apply to be on parole, he has been denied every single time. Makes just sense. I think based on the sentencing and the fact that it's six consecutive life sentences, they're like, why would we give you parole? Well, and even You're the eligible, idea, but like, why? Right. Well, and the idea, too, of like, look, even if you are also sort of a victim in this, you are very clearly so malleable, like as a person, you. Uh, yeah. Even if you, yeah, you maybe don't even have the intelligence to like pull off crimes like this. Like, look, you are a danger because you can be you are someone a danger to society. Yeah, a new uh, someone new will come along and turn you into another weapon that will be used against the general yeah. public. So uh, sorry, <laughs> is he still alive? He is. Damn. Yes, and as a part of his re- rehabilitation in prison, he started taking up painting which was also a way for him to generate some like revenue and like send some money Mm -hmm. back to his mom yeah he refuses to paint anything that is violent in nature so he mostly does like landscapes buildings flowers and like portraiture interesting he usually does paints or black and or graphite he does a lot of them in black and white because he has red green color blindness. Oh, interesting. <laughs> kind of weird the way they detail. Yeah. was actually really funny in the article because they're like, he had trouble with red and green colors. He didn't see them well. I'm like, so he's colorblind. <laughs> right. <laughs> we have a, t- yeah, we have a term colorblind. for that. We do have a term for that. Yeah. So he, I think it's not to the point where like it's super severe but it like he struggles with it when doing portraits so he does those in black and white Hmm. just because sometimes color gets kind of weird with like the red and green hues so he did he does have a pen pal that corresponds with him and has organized a few art exhibits of his work and interesting the first one was in 1997 at Hyde Park Gallery in Houston's Newtown area, which drew outrage from the families yeah. of all the victims involved. I can't really blame their them. families. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. And. Yeah, he. Expressed in 1999 that um, Houston was going to build a monument for the victims of violent crimes and he said that he would be willing to pay for part of the proceeds through the revenue made at his second art show this he is a really confusing character (laughs) odd yeah yeah he's like well i'm gonna help cause certain atrocities for years and like it but like i'm gonna 
be a patron of the arts and I'm going to like build a monument for victims of violent crimes. And it's like you helped kill a lot of people. It does oddly make him seem like he's just a dumb brute of like even the colorblindness yeah. comes down to like, well, he doesn't see red very well. He doesn't maybe, see he, well. <laughs> maybe he didn't realize that all the blood on his hands was really blood. He couldn't tell like he doesn't know what blood is because he can't see red. I mean, that's a stretch for sure. But well, my point is, like, he just seems like. He was he was so genuinely indoctrinated and disillusioned that he yeah. really didn't know what the, like some of the things he was doing were wrong. And now later in life, he's like, oh, wow, I was a real piece of shit. Yeah. It's strangely self-aware for like it, it people is. in jail for that kind of crime. <laughs> yeah. But um, as far as I know, he is still alive. He's still very much in prison. And it's okay, like going to stay that way. That's probably for he's, the best. Let's see, because he was I'm born in... He's still, I was going to say, I'm assuming he's still on life sentence number one. Yeah. Usually you don't make it to the second one. I'm... I'm assuming he is. Yeah. Just, um... I know that Brooks is also still in prison. So they're mm. both doing their life sentences. I um I feel I need to admit that I almost asked uh what is what was what Dean's is sentence yeah. when he's I dead. Yeah, and I popped into my head of like well, we've heard from the two guys. What about the what about the most infamous Yeah, he was killed. That was like that killed. was part of the story. <laughs> he was so um yeah, so I didn't ask. Yes. I, it, I it, do, it didn't spring back to mind. I do think it is interesting the way our system has it where in cases like this, and I know this is like a huge gray area that like he was not charged for the murder of Dean, even though he oh. like very much did do that. Sure. Just but then it kind of gets into that weird gray area where like if someone murders their abuser and then Yeah. Because there's definitely a self-defense mechanism, not mechanism, but but side to that story. Yeah. Like the, the one the one kind of saving grace is because he did technically in that night, in that moment, uh, Dean didn't kill either of those people. Right. He Like no, they had two not people. Kill either of them. Both of them. Right. Went so armed for the yeah, most part. Then, I mean, yeah, psychologically and, traumatized for life. Shared. Oh, for, for sure. Which is why, like, quick aside, like, I do believe that, like, sexual crimes should be treated essentially the same as, like, murder. Because yeah. one one crime takes the life of someone, and I think there's a strong argument to be made that, like, their suffering is over. But there's an even bigger argument to be made that mm -hmm. someone left alive, their life is ruined in a lot of ways. So it's like, how is that yeah. not oh, either the same or a worse crime? You're mm -hmm. leaving someone alive. But yeah, so like if if they had people who lived through that, I could see how like they're at his trial and they're like, well, even though he helped instigate years worth of murders, at least in that moment for that Dean moment, Coral, he did the right yeah, thing. Right, yeah. right, right. And so it's like it was it wasn't even just self-defense because he had been tied up and stuff. And he's like, but he did mm -hmm. also he saved himself and two other people. So the the one murder that he on his own purposefully committed 
he wasn't charged for because yeah. it was technically a heroic act. Yeah. It's a weird story. It's, I just, I always find that very interesting and intriguing just because it becomes such a gray area. Overall. Yeah. But yeah, That's that is crazy. That is our story. Wow. In, you know, in a weird way, it's actually more interesting than the original Candyman story. Cause it's when you get right down to it, like Dean Coral is just an evil, evil person. And in terms oh, of yeah. serial, in terms He's of serial killers, man. right. Yeah. He, he had a, a, a very strange sort of system set up to aid in his killings. Yeah. But the idea of um, him sort of inducting young men into his uh, system kind of, and then, and then you've got this one guy, Wayne, who kind of breaks through it at the very end. Oh my, but we, I mean, again, we still had so many moments where we're like, Wayne, you just go leave. Like, Oh my god! The number of times that you had the option to just not do horrible. But things. walked away the first time. Yeah. When he he could have stayed, having walked away. Right, right, yeah. His his story has a lot of, a lot of kind of terms. ups and downs. The number of times that like I was on his side, sort of in like abuse that he had, negative things that occurred in his life, and then you're like, yeah. and. You you practically in in Seinfeld terms you yada 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 over like nine crimes at a time and it's like oh shit that's right he had this one moment where he could have turned away and, and then, then he, he also like six other people <laughs> the, yeah the number of times you simply listed victims as numbers is like no yeah you belong in jail you need to be in jail even yeah. if even if at your core you're arguably a decent person you are clearly so susceptible to manipulation so by to others. Yeah. <laughs> right. And even like he's selling his paintings in jail. He's he's offering up some of that money as like not necessarily restitution, but like for that monument and stuff. It's he's like, like, I want to do a good thing with it. Yeah, that's really touching. But it's like you look back on what we've just talked about and it's like we have at least three different instances where we can just add those numbers up and you are into multiple digits of helping to kill people. Yeah, yeah no, you you belong there. Like, mm -hmm. I appreciate you attempting to be a better person, but yikes. No, yeah, yeah. You, you need to be there. Yeah, unfortunate part of the circumstances. It is. And, and you can't help thinking, too, like, he could have potentially been a decent person, but he just let himself... Get yeah. roped into horrible deeds. Yeah. It is. It is unfortunate. And, yeah. And speaking of horrible, <laughs> what did you think of tonight's pairing? It's a, a flawless segue. I didn't think it's too bad. I'd probably give everything just like a solid six around just. Yeah. Because it's like something you, you drink and you'd be like, oh, it's it's nice, but it's not like. It's, I think it's just more something I wouldn't necessarily like do as like a go to. No, for sure. I agree completely. Well, and I'm going to go. Actually, I'm going to I'm going to give it a six, too. I was going to go right in the middle. Just give it a five, um, especially as a pairing. I think individually they're OK. Yeah, um, I was a little worried it would be too much sugar. And I think I was right. But 
there was just enough for me to give it a six because it really did. It, it it surprised me in the sense that it really did have a taste of like this is what summer is sort of represented by. Yeah. Um, but very summery. Damn, is that a lot of sugar? They're <laughs> like, I mean, the popsicles themselves literally are just sugar. It's just water, sugar, <laughs> and a little bit of coloring. Maybe a certain little sprinkling of something else to make them a certain flavor, like grape versus lime. But um, yeah. Yeah, you better drink a lot of water with that because otherwise you're going to be hungover as hell. I've had a decent amount now. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to stop and just start drinking pure water because that is that is so yeah. much sugar. It enjoyable. Is, it is a lot. Yeah, enjoyable, but so much sugar. By any chance, have you ever heard of a drink called a Chuck Norris? I have not. Okay, it might be a Midwest thing, I'm not sure, but we used to, um, when I was in Williston, North Dakota, of all places, I think it is kind of like a North Dakota thing. It's, um, I believe it's part energy drink, and then like three different UV vodka drinks. Okay. Um, but we would go to a karaoke night and get what are called fish bowls. And they were oh, like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm I know sure fish bowl. Yeah. And it's like you can take a a normal shot or a drink, and they you pay like twenty five bucks, and they just fill up this giant Big thing. Okay, and you go up, you're singing karaoke, and you're sloshing all over the place, and you're like, especially when you're in college or like just after college, and you're broke, and you want a cheap way to get drunk and have fun. Yeah, um, fishbowl's pretty solid, but I, I only bring that up because yeah, it was like UV blue, UV red, and something else, and it would turn kind of. Depending on what, how much the ratio that they used, it would be more blue or more red, and um, lots of sugar. There's just so much sugar in it. The next morning, you you wished you were dead. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and speaking of uh, like bad things, if you have any suggestions that you want to uh, submit to us, or drinks or snacks that you would like su- to uh, yes. subject us to. Uh, please email us at peculiarpairingspod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter. Oh, I'm sorry. X. I'm just... X marks the never... spot. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have video for this yet, but like the, the, you crossed oh, your arms. Yeah, no, we should start doing that every time. Like, oh, I'm sorry, X. X. And then just do that. Yeah. Oh. Damn it. Why did you do that, Celine? Now I kind of like it. <laughs> Damn it. Oh, that is just the oh. dumbest thing. <laughs> I just um, myself. I still remember just waking up and seeing the, the new logo on my phone uh. and being like, this must be a one-time weird thing that they did just as fun. And then I what? saw the articles of like, no, he officially pulled off the physical sign of the building and put up a giant X. Anyways, you can find us on X at Peculiar Pear Pod. Uh, Instagram at Peculiar Pairings Pod, and uh, check us out on Patreon if you uh, if you would feel so kind. That would be yes, nice. we are we are almost everywhere. Yeah, almost. As, as far um, as I know, we are just about everywhere. Yeah, easy. Fact. Do uh do we know what we're doing next time? Yes, we Hooray! are talking about La Isla de las Muñecas. So that is Island of Island. the Dolls. Oh. Um, Which not I to believe give too... you might be familiar with. I, was gonna say, I don't mean to give too much away, but there is a certain BuzzFeed video that mm-hmm. uh, we got okay. some BuzzFeed. We're going to have some Zach Baggins in there. It's going to be great. 
I know we have talked a little bit like if this ever takes off and this actually kind of becomes like a primary thing that we can do that has to be like like if we ever can travel from doing this that has to be like stop number one we have to plan like a whole series of things i want to go there so bad the the video of you know that they have it just looks strangely mesmerizing but so disturbingly haunting at the same time i want to see it in person so badly i know I'm going to be the Ryan as a group and you're going to be no, Shane as a group. And it's going to be like, oh, every oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. What's that? I am, I am willing to say as much as Shane, uh, I will never be able to go full Shane. Um, okay. as I much don't think as, anyone can go full Shane. No, how does he do that? Like, it's got to just be the cameras and they have a crew with them. Because oh, look, as, as much of a skeptic as I am, the idea of just being well, even when they went to we don't have to talk about all their stuff, but the idea of just like being in a dark, haunted place, it's going to get to me at least on a subconscious level. Like there's a part yeah. of me that is still going to be disturbed. Like so the the way that he just does that is quite impressive and entertaining as hell. Yeah. So, so it'll, with, it'll be an entertaining episode next week. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I got to start excited. thinking up ideas already. Well, and, and thank you, everyone, for joining us. I hope you had a good time, and, and we will see you next time. Yes. Yeah. Bye.